Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. It is a glorious St. Patrick's Day. So we're back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner. No green beer, sadly, yet. Uh, I thought about <laughs> ripping about 10 Irish car bombs and literally having my stomach expand the size of refrigerator. Perry after Notre Dame won last night. The play-in game. I, it, they would have lost, I would have said. That doesn't even count. But then if they won, I'm like, it counts. <laughs> you know, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Uh, Kevin Bowen, Chris Presley, back Kevin's corner. Chris, good luck to your volunteers today. Appreciate it. Right I mean, here, Cambridge Fieldhouse. Cambridge Fieldhouse. <clears throat> thought about potentially going uh, on the second game if we get there against Michigan. But like you said last night, Notre Dame fight Irish. One super great game. What a game. And for someone like you who has to be up, you obviously have a young daughter. Yeah. <laughs> the you just sh- your fandom still showing tweeting out late at night i was like i'm so sub- because i didn't want to text you because i was like kevin's probably asleep oh my gosh chris stop. but you were stop <laughs> i mean i've been waiting for this for five years you know we made the tournament once in the last five years i yeah i was wired i almost picked up maddie and she was sound asleep she would have <laughs> probably divorced me on the spot but have you ever uh, been to dayton it's a great I great have. I actually watched Notre Dame get drilled there in the 2013 tournament to a great Iowa State team. Um, but, yes, I have been. It is a nice arena, certainly. And now off to San Diego for the Irish. Uh, those of you um, of our listening audience, you know, the thousands that tuned into this podcast, um, probably three of you just cared about that Notre Dame <laughs> basketball talk. So, uh, March Madness is here for the Colts. Yannick Ngakwe, huge trade yep. yesterday, Thursday morning, late Thursday morning. We are recording this, so but plan accordingly for breaking news, right, Chris? Because that's well, what we had last week. So just just a quick backstory. I know we got a lot to get to. We're up against it. Um, you told me we were going to move the podcast till Thursday. Me knowing you, me knowing that you have sources. I started trying to read the tea leaves, and I'm like, "Does Kevin know something? Are we finally going to? Are we finally going to break news after it happens instead of beforehand?" People started DMing me. Everyone was wondering. I put out a tweet saying, "Literally, I know nothing." Um, <laughs> Kevin's a busy guy. Has a morning show. Biggest writer on our website. Has a young daughter. Has a lot going on, so that's probably why it was pushed back until today. Well, so, that and just—I mean, the Colts weren't really doing a whole lot. Yeah, and you the know, Colts weren't. Yeah, and, and you know, I had a feeling something would happen on Wednesday. Uh, this trade, not necessarily what I was thinking. Um, so we'll unpack so far where we're at. About four re-signings, mm-hmm. uh, Brandon Face on corner, and then the Ngakwe trade, and then Twitter questions as always. Let's begin with the Anik Ngakwe. Right. Um, uh, Chris, from the standpoint of he never he doesn't go against the Colts next year. It's a win. <laughs> Eight and a half career sacks against the Colts. Three more than any other team for him in the league. Uh, I am a huge, huge fan of this move. And I want to make it really clear why. He's proved it. He's available week in and week out. Consistent and young-ish. Four things, Chris. He's proven it. He's healthy, he's done it on an annual basis, and he's not 33. It is so rare at edge rusher, look at the Colts over the last decade and a half. You literally have to go back to Robert Mathis to find the last proven edge rusher in his mid-20s to put on a Colts uniform. And it is vital 
that now you don't put piano weight on Quiddy Pay and Dio Dangbo right. like you did last year and saying, oh, yeah, Justin Houston and Nico Autry are gone, but good news, we've got more young rushers that we're going to put immense pressure on them. That position, man, you got to have guys that have proven it. Um, the stat that I just think is so impressive with Ngakwe, entered the league in 2016, Chris. Since then, six seasons, eight sacks or more in every single season. How many guys in the NFL do you think have done that? Three. Two or three. Own other player, and that other player is Aaron Donald. As I was going to say, Don, I knew Donald had to be one of them. Again, six straight years of eight sacks, then 12, then nine and a half, then eight, then eight, ten this past season with Gus Bradley. It's not going to be 16, 18 sacks. He's not going to be a first-team All-Pro. But if you look at his resume, missed two games in six seasons health-wise, and you can pencil in 15 games and nine and a half sacks, you have all of a sudden taken a football team that was in the basement in the NFL and striking fear into opposing offense of like, man, we got to be worried about that Colts edge rusher this week. Colts haven't had that in years. Years. Now what does that do? Does that make a – Interior linemen, you know, have to kind of, oh, wow, what about Ngakwe out there? I can't, you know, put everything on Buckner on this snap. You know, where does the one-on-ones go? Um, For all those reasons, I'm a big fan of it. you got to remember his defensive coordinator is Gus Bradley. Mm -hmm. Gus don't want to blitz. You don't want to blitz? You better have some alphas up front. You better have some D A W G S. That spelling of dogs, not D O G like Rudy Bow or Rudy <laughs> Bow. And I called. I had a dog named Rudy growing up. I just called Rosie Rudy. Um, probably not the last time I'll do it. Uh, Rosie, you know, dog, dog. You know, he loves dog. D A W G dog. Right. You, you just need it. You need people that are going to win one on one. And now I think you have something where rundowns, Chris. And Gakwe and Quiddy Pay as your ends. Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner as your tackles. Mm-hmm. On pass downs, boom, Stewart comes off the field. Dio Dengbo comes on the field. Tyquan Lewis comes on the field. Whatever you want to do there. Um, I mean, you're facing Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson next year. You got to have a four-man rush. That can, that can give you something there. Um, you're scheming up a pass rush. It just sounds good. It sounds good, but it ain't reality. You can't scheme it up. Look at the Super Bowl. That's right. not Aaron Donald winning his scheme to ice the game. It's Aaron Donald winning one-on-one. Yeah. Um, you know, in an ideal world, Chris, yes, you would have signed up in free agency last year. And we said it on this podcast a year. I guarantee you, a year ago this week, we said, where the hell was the pass rush move? You had a lot of them hit the market last year, and Gakwe was one of them. Uh, so that means you wouldn't be giving up Rocky scene. But, again, that's not the reality of the situation. Um, I know Rock came on for you a little bit last year. Corner's a need, certainly, but I'd rather have a pass rusher than a corner. Yeah. If you're going to make me pick one one or the other, um, that's where I'm going on that. So. And with the state of the NFL, like you said before, and everyone that watches the NFL knows, it is a passing league, so you got to get to the quarterback first, and that can sometimes blanket the secondary. We traded Rock for him, straight up, 1-1, like you said, let's talk about Faison because he is a long corner that everyone says Chris Ballard is 
He's a proponent of lengthy corners. What do you think about that sign? Yeah, I think it's an important one all of a sudden. Um, and I know some people have questions about Yannick Ngakwe playing for five teams now in six years. We had a Twitter question on that, if I'm not mistaken. So I think we'll get to that in Twitter questions. Um, the contract of Faison indicates to me that he could be a starter. You know, he hasn't really done that in his career besides last year. Mostly special teams guy and just kind of a you know sub-package corner. Um, the garbage stats were, or excuse me, the garbage stats. The, the the coverage stats were pretty notable, I thought, just from a got his hands on a lot of balls. Completion percentage was pretty low. Obviously, a, I mean, are the Colts listening to Gus Bradley's voice or what? <laughs> Ngakwe and, and then Faison. Faison undrafted out of Virginia Tech, goes to Chargers with Gus Bradley 2018. Chargers, Chargers, Chargers. Boom, Gus Bradley leaves to go to the Raiders. Last October, Faison joins him there. And now <laughs> here he is. So, he actually was the guy that had kind of a weird anecdote. He's the guy that had the coverage on Devin Funches when Funches broke his collarbone uh, back in week one of that season when they played the Chargers out mm-hmm. in that soccer stadium. Um, so, again, long corner, you lose Rock. I, you know, I'm curious, like, are you going to play more man? It's never really been a Bradley thing. Did that make Rock a little bit more expendable? Again, I don't think so, but something that popped into my head. Uh, corner, you need to go do something else. So, I, I don't. Face on Kenny Moore, Isaiah Rogers, not the end of the world, but yeah, I I, I would want another one there. Um, and there's still a lot in free agency that you can go out and get there. So um, all of a sudden, with this rock news, you know, right corner now a little bit more on the need list, and face on pretty darn important. So do you think with today's NFL um, cornerback, obviously we said is important. But with a defensive coordinator coming in, is that one of the vital points of I at least just want to know, even if let's say Faison doesn't do great, you just want to be in line with someone on the back end. So Gus Bradley bringing in a guy that he knows. Yeah, you know, I and you know, clearly Gus is like this guy, just like he's like Ngakwe. I mean, Gus was – with Jacksonville, who's a head coach when they drafted Ngakwe in the right. third round in, in, in 2016. So, yeah, and, and I like the Colts are willing to listen to the guy. You know, you've heard some of these defensive interviews so far, and some of these guys that they've re-signed, I think there was an open-minded, open-mindedness, and I've mentioned this when Gus Bradley was hired, of, like, just a new message, new eyes. All these systems are new. That's, mm-hmm. I think, important. Sure, there's going to be ups and downs in a new system and all that, but you had reached the ceiling, I think, of the old defense. Now you get new blood, new bodies, new coaches, things like that. Can you get higher? Yeah. I think that's what you like there. And, again, we haven't made a ton of news. We joked about it earlier. We always joke about it. Hopefully, I mean, it's 10.30 a.m. here on the yeah. East Coast. There's going to be news. So there's going to be news at some point. But right now, the I'll, in-house signings. What I'll do you come back what, and record emergency pod later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What what are you thinking about the in-house signings that that we've made? Yeah, so Taekwon Lewis um, makes sense to me. Jack Muhort type deal, you know, a rotational, prove it. Got to prove his health. Chris, he's played double-digit games once in four years. Um, but he was really coming on for you last year. That was a serious knee injury, though, so you'll watch that. Mm-hmm. Mo Ali cox again, makes sense. Even if Mo Ali cox never takes another jump, step forward, Chris, he still is a serviceable player for you and a needed player for you. I view tight end as a major need still in this offseason. Um, Matt Pryor on the O-line, I, I like it. The contract to me, it looks a little bit of like, wow, is he really going to be the left tackle? I don't like if he's the left tackle. 
and you guys have heard me say this for years now, it is amazing to me how horrific of a job Chris Boward has done and even sniffing the tackle position with the draft pick or life when Anthony Costanzo flirted with retirement and then Eric Fisher and his Achilles injury. So we'll see what happens there at tackle. But at the minimum, prior as your 6-0 lineman, good. Um, the other resigning is Franklin. Sure, you know, great leader, special teams captain. Yeah, uh, makes a lot of sense there. So Chris Reed, Michael Badgley, George Odom, those are guys that I'd be looking to still bring back. You know, Al-Kadim Muhammad probably wants a bigger role elsewhere. Could he go to Chicago, team up with Eberflus? You know, T.Y. Hilton, Zach Paschal, both free agents. I get it. But at the same time, like, you are going to have to find some wideouts at, at at some point. Obviously, you want to upgrade, and I've been clamoring for that. There are some wideouts definitely still out there. Uh, but if anything, it's just new faces mm-hmm. alongside Michael Pittman this year. So yeah. I think that's everybody. Uh, Mark Lewinsky's moved on with the Giants. Good for him. Um, but you, you know Ballard's MO. You know, he mm-hmm. lets the in-house free agents hit the open market and still will will bring them back. I would have liked to have seen more activity in the first few days. You know, I think I'm preaching to the choir there. You guys know how I feel. Um, you know, I can hear Ballard right now saying, you know, you're spending A money to get B players. Well, when you've spent B money to get C players like you've done, right. you've seen what's happened. Now, the Ngakwe move I love, but again – we're going to grade each and every decision on a very individual basis because that's how you have to operate. Um, the general approach to free agency and missing some of these names, um, I do think, is a uh, is an issue so far. Again, still a good amount of names out there, but if you look at any kind of top 100 free agent list, it's probably about half been chewed up so far. And the Colts are, what, 40-ish million in, uh, in cap space. Obviously, the quarterback domino yeah. to fall as well. And that's exactly what I was going to say. The domino of the quarterback is the main thing that's going to happen. So, and we, I guess we're waiting for Deshaun Watson, right? I think that's the biggest one. You know, once uh, that falls, New Orleans seems to have some momentum as of Thursday morning. Um, does that put Winston on the open market? You know, what about his ACL? How would right. that impact things for the Colts? So, yeah, um, I'm sure we got some quarterback. Centric questions yes, and Twitter questions, do. so let's uh, let's just hop into that. Yeah, let's jump in. This one comes from T. Hey, Kevin, big fan of the pod from Toronto, Canada. Nice. Always wanted to go to Toronto. It's a great city. Is I've it? I've never been. Oh. But a buddy of mine lives in Buffalo, obviously, we've ta- and i got to get the tattoo, I know. Yeah, we've been know, waiting I know, on that, I know. man. Um, but Toronto just seems like basically kind of like the New York City of, of, of Canada, and yeah. it, it just looks beautiful. Anyway... With Ndokwe and the Rocky Sin trade, why did we not go after or show interest in Chandler Jones? And were the Colts not having a solid answer for the QB sway big-ticket free agents from signing for Mindy? Yeah, I think that last point's fair. Um, I still think money talks, but if it gets close, you know, you're going to have some hesitancy. I think the Colts were after Chandler Jones. Yeah, I think Chandler Jones had a decision <laughs> to make himself. So, um, you know, he joins the Raiders and then the Colts – Kudos to Chris Ballard for having a quick plan to operate and get a guy like Yannick Gakwe. And a lot of it's probably flavor. Again, Jones, certainly the better player. Also older. Mm-hmm. I would say a little bit more injuries than Yannick Gakwe. He's been incredibly healthy. And again, Chris, that's the key, man. You know, I made this analogy on our morning show. You know who's led the NBA in three-pointers made the last three years? Last three years. It's got to be Steph, right? 
my first guess would be Steph. My second guess would probably be Damian Lillard. It's Buddy Heald. Really? Why? Because Buddy Heald has missed like barely any games over the last three years. You know, it's availability in a vacuum, Chris. Who's the better basketball player, Malcolm Brogdon or Buddy Heald? Probably Brogdon. Brogdon would be the guess. But yes. again, you just can't rely on him to stay healthy. Like, Kamoko Ture or al Muhammad? Kamoko Ture's shown more individual flash, but al Muhammad's been available. Like, right, yeah. Again, yeah, the greatest abilities, availability. I know it sounds corny, and I probably no, but like it's true, grandpa. I mean, but it's true, you're and that's right. what Ngakwe has given the respective teams throughout his career. Now, the five teams in in six years certainly that's notable. I mean, Jacksonville kind of blew it up. Zach Kiefer we had on today, he said there was some coaching issues in Baltimore. He didn't love how he was used. I think he was a free agent there, so he got decide. You know, they decided for him the Raiders, and then he's you know really just kind of followed Gus Bradley around. Um. So yeah, I, it, yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of it. This one comes from Clayton. Chris Ballard has a reputation of being frugal when it comes to cap room and signing for free agents. Some attributes to wanting to build the culture of the locker room. Do you think being the extremely picky on free agents, he can ruin that culture? Guys like Kenny Moore, Darius Leonard, Buckner. Um, they're trying to win. They've obviously been, obviously been vocal on social media. By not making moves, can Chris Ballard have a team, quote-unquote, turn against him? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question, Clayton. Um, turn against him seems to be kind of a aggressive turn. I yeah. mean, you know, phrase, I guess. Turning against a GM. <laughs> I don't know. It just sounds a little far-fetched for, for me. Having said that, you know, I think players, while they're being a little jokeful about it, I think they are, you know, on edge a little bit. As they sh- I mean, like, it's okay to be on edge. It's okay to be a little testy. Like, I think that's fine. Um, you know, they're curious just as much as we are of, like, man, I wonder what they're going to do. You know, it's so much unknown this time of year. One other thing I want to mention on Ngakwe, Chris, and it's kind of related to this question. I think he brings a little bit of Autry edge, edginess. Not like you line up on the edge. Yeah. Edginess to that defense, which I think is needed. A little bit of that, you know, I've talked about it before. A little bit of a guy that, you know, you're going to have to crowd him at times, but other times, again, he'll be that dog for you. I know he's not terrific against the run, but um, that is something that I think is needed. You know, someone mentioned to me, I forget who it was. Um, someone tweeted at me. Like, do you think Chris Ballard is better reacting than he is being proactive? And I do That's think a- there is some validity to that. Um, albeit, I think it's easier as a human being, and I don't know, I'm, maybe I'm speaking for myself, to be reactive versus proactive, you know. Um, in that position that Chris is in, you need to do both very well. Um, you know, Kevin Pritchard would probably qualify as someone that is reactive, you know, a little bit better than proactive. You know, drafts being proactive, trades being reactive. Um, so I, I, I do think that's something that you bring up a point, Clayton, that kind of sparked that other idea for me. That's actually a really good – I never thought about that. That is a very good – and like you said, you have to toe the line as a GM of proactive versus reactive. And obviously proactive poorly would be left tackle, would be a golden example of it. Quarterback, you know. Um, that would be, I think, an example of it as well. Next question comes from Juan. Hey, Kevin, hope you're doing great. Juan, thank you. Barring hope you some, are well. 
barring some crazy moves today or tomorrow, do you think Jim Irsay will be okay with a, with silently sitting back and watching Chris Ballard do nothing in free agency as usual, which we kind of just touched on on proactive or reactive? Thanks as always. Looking forward to today's podcast. Have a great day from Juan. Juan, same to you. Um, it's interesting. Jim Irsay's kind of had this like big view as patience with this duo. Um, I keep on coming back to that end of the season in Jacksonville. What was the change? Clearly Wentz. You know, I think Reich wanted Wentz back. It's my opinion. Ballard. Well, let's go with Ursay. Ursay wanted him gone. And I think Ballard sided a little bit more with Ursay. They did with Reich, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, but what else was the change? Clearly he wasn't demanding spending more early in free agency. I mean, we're approaching, what, 72 hours here? But that's where people are going to all chips in. Yeah, like, and again, I, I tried to I, – I think I did this. I, I don't know. Maybe it didn't come across. I get what all chips in sounds like. But, like, first from a draft pick standpoint, you don't have the chips that you would want to mm-hmm. Russell Wilson it or, you know, whatever, entertain something along those lines. Uh, yeah, or, or say his PR team probably regrets that, just how that sounded. Not the plane engine in the background and that it kind of muffled what, what he sounded like, but the actual um, word and phrase. So, um, it, you know, put the all chips in analogy to the side for a second, Chris, because, you know, whatever. It's cliche. It's catchy. It's whatever. Frankly, it's just a stubbornness to continue to do what you've always done. I mean, you know, you started re- – how long have you been doing the Network Indiana stuff? September. So you've been doing that for nine months. The blueprint or approach you walked into the network Indiana thing with, you'd probably have a little bit of a different blueprint approach to it nine months later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all jobs because you, you have to always evolve and pivot. Yeah, you you have to, and I just don't think the philosophy has evolved to where you need it to. You know, I certainly there are examples of the other end of the spectrum of this, but the field Yates comment of you know, the field Yates discovery of the stat of the last six years the top spender in free agency has improved their win total by at least three games over the last six years like we have such a negative stereotype against free agency hey give it a try when Chris is swung in free agency he's hit some singles doubles whatever it's just yeah. he hasn't swung enough especially early on so again that's where I disagree with things and I think that's where a lot of the Colts fans right now, especially knowing where our cap is, we're hoping that some free agency can be there. Yeah. Question from Gary, uh, or let's go with uh, Rob first. Rob, sounds like the Browns might be onto Watson, as we talked about a little bit earlier in terms of that domino piece. If they indeed get him, does Baker Mayfield become an option for the Colts? Would you rather have him? Or Jimmy Garoppolo, and that's going to be a big question that a lot of people are going to ask. Yeah, you know, who's healthier, Chris? Aren't they both dealing with their shoulder issues? Yeah. I, I guess Jimmy. Um, boy, if Sean Watson goes to Cleveland, those divisions with quarterbacks, the AFC West and the AFC North, holy shnikes. You know, Jimmy G, slight improvement. I think he hits on a couple key metrics a little bit better than Carson Wentz did and that are important to the Colts. Um, I think he'd help you a little bit more from a leadership standpoint and a respect. But, Chris, there's the giant question of health. 
right throwing shoulder. Mm-hmm. Go back and look at Frank Wright and Chris Ballard comments earlier this offseason. Neither of them have been more on the same page and more passionate about a topic than the fact that we need to do OTAs. We need to have healthy offseasons. We need to participate in training camp. You know, those things. So that's where I think of, okay, Garoppolo, when's he throwing? They say right, right, hope right. is the start of training camp. So I, We've heard that phrase before here in Indy. Not to throw down another shot of Jameson on the St. Patrick's Day, but, you know, like, and then Baker. I, I don't know if it's as serious, but still, I think that's a question you would have as well. And then when Cleveland is saying we want an adult at quarterback, ugh, boy, don't think you're – Baker Mayfield's putting that on his LinkedIn resume. So, every single quarterback you're going to shrug your shoulders at to some degree that's available right now. Carr would probably be the one that you might not, but all the others you are. And I'm probably a little bit more anti-Garoppolo than I think some of my colleagues, but I just look at it as a health issue. I look at it as his numbers in the playoffs very much dipped compared to the regular season. Debo and George Kittle aren't here. And, like, Kyle Shanahan is telling you what I think the Colts will have to admit at some point with Garoppolo. Kyle Shanahan literally has said he's not good enough. He's not good enough. Even with our – I mean, they have a decent run game. San Francisco, they don't have a – you know, Taylor, but they got a decent run game. Even with Kittle, even with Samuel, even with my offensive mind – we felt like we needed to take a big risk. It was a big risk, trading up for Trey Lance. Because Garoppolo just can't get it done. So, um, that would be my concern of like, gosh, all right, 2023, we're going to have the same question that we have now with that. Um, Again, none of these QBs are going to satisfy what people want in the here and now. But that's why the miss on Wentz was so immense. It put you in a situation to now you're in an offseason where the quarterback situation is just, ugh. Just, ugh. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> like I've, I've said before, I have a brother who's a, a Buffalo Bills fan, a brother-in-law who's season ticket holder for Tampa, another brother who's a, 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 a 49er fan. So it's we, we're a, all along all the spectrums. and Yeah, we, you we got te- it covered there. We text about football all the time, and – they're basically like, so you're just going to get a bridge quarterback. Like, that just seems like what it is for right now. That's but where it is. We'll see. This one comes from Gary. After watching with the next pick stuff, I'm starting to believe that Chris Ballard has, a great, has great scouts, and he is so-so. Objectively, yes, he's making the final call, but I don't know if there's anything special about his decision-making. As a fan, which I am allowed to be, this doesn't feel like the all chips in of the offseason. This feels like bull chips. <laughs> On the other end of the spectrum is your pod, which is ranking objectively and downright the best Colts podcast. Thank you and Chris. Well, I appreciate that, Gary. Thank you for being so loyal and for those kind words. Um, you know, we kind of talked about the all chips in yeah. phrase a little bit earlier. I'll say this, Chris. I was texting back and forth with – I would say an important member of the, of um, the Colts organization, and you know I'd say it was just kind of a, you know, a, a healthy, healthy discussion on quarterback, and you know basically I said to this person what I say on this podcast to be frank of as soon as Andrew Luck retired before the start of the 2019 season, 
every single offseason, in my mind, Chris, the number one, two, three, four, five goal on your offseason checklist has got to be all of our meetings this week are going to revolve quarterback. Who's available? What can we give up? Who do we like? Who do we not like? Plan A through Z. Can we find the next quarterback? And instead, the Colts have said, how many Band-Aids do we have left? Are there more Band-Aids in that drawer? Well, Carson Wentz ended up being like kind of a wet Band-Aid. You know, it, it just... At some point, I said to this person, when you're th- drafting 13 overall, like you did the year after luck, yeah. hung it up. When you're drafting 21 overall, and in both of those draft classes, you had, you know, what, eight quarterbacks, I want to say, drafted ahead of you. That's when you look at Kansas City. You look at Buffalo. You look at Baltimore. Uh, I'm not talking about Joe Burrow going one overall. Um, maybe the Chargers even with, with her. You know, you look at these teams that have found their quarterbacks through the drafts, oftentimes trading up. And again, at some point, you have just got to do that. And, you know, I I don't know. I feel like at times, I don't know. I, I, I won't get into much more of the conversation than that. But you, know, you guys, again, have heard me present the stance of team draft. And I just feel like the organization's afraid. Yeah. Afraid to go that route. It's scary. It's daunting. But, Chris, when you pass in 2019, or excuse me, 2020, was 2019? Luck retired in 2019, right? I mean, anywhere from 2019 to 2022 has all been a blur. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to put the drafts (laughs) together. I guess the 2020 draft, you had 13 overall. 2021 draft, you had 21 overall. Mm -hmm. Those were pretty fertile quarterback years. You could throw Stafford into it as well as an offseason candidate. Well, now, Chris, you're sitting here in 2022, and it is, you know, the Colts had opportunities to shop it. You know, Von Marr, hopefully our older listening audience, I don't know, <laughs> what, what would be the younger one? Lululemon? Probably, yeah. And instead, they're in an offseason now where you're shopping at, you know, Walmart, Target, w- whatever, you know. I, I'm a big old Navy fan, but I, I know that's not, you know. For local people, you went from Keystone at the Crossing to Castleton. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, something along along those lines. You could make the argument that not even Castleton, to be honest with you, more garage sale-like uh, with some of these quarterback options that, that are out there. Um, so, again, that that was my disagreement, I think it's yeah. fair to say. I thought it was a healthy argument. We, we, we both were listening to both sides of it. But um, you just when you kick the can down and believe in Band-Aids, I don't think you're ever going to get out of it. And that's where the Colts are at right now. Well, it's, Mitch has a question about that. So let's talk about if we have another Band-Aid, if we, if we go with Sam Ellinger, do you put all your chips to the table or do you go after a lot of free agencies to try and build around him? Yeah, I think that's part of it, certainly. Now, the, the Ellinger thing, like, we can get into Ellinger a little bit more down the road. I just think there's such a defined ceiling with him. Like, there was a reason 200 picks went before Ellinger went, you know? Um, he wasn't great in the preseason this year, and he wasn't even game plan full, you know, or game plan against. So um, I think Ellinger can be a serviceable, nice backup, but I think by no means should it just be, all right, Ellinger's a starter. No, go draft one. You know, give some somebody a little bit more of the raw traits to develop. 
Sticking with quarterbacks, Caleb wants to know about Chris Ballard's interest and in Deshaun Watson. Do you think he knew that Houston would decline? Is he playing 40 chess to try and see what the asking price would be? And also, does this show that we had no backup plan after trading Carson Wentz? Caleb's very frustrated. Well, Caleb, I, they, they couldn't have had a plan that every plan, Chris, that they had had to involve outside people agreeing to their plan. A free agent agreeing, a team willing to trade, like nothing was ready made. Obviously, the draft situation is, you know, <laughs> speaks for itself when you're drafting now 42 overall. As far as the Watson call, I don't have a lot of clarity on that. You know, with Schefter and his reporting, you, you, you never know how sources are trying to get that right. out there. Um, I'll say this, Chris if I were the GM and I'd run it and I'm running things, I'm calling everybody. I'm calling everybody because at the bare minimum, I want intel. Yeah, might as well kick tires on anything. Who's available? You talk to me. I want to play poker to the best. I want to gather all the information. You're going to have to sit through a lot of BS, certainly. But, again, I'm calling everybody. So, I don't make a whole lot of it with the call. Um, I, I still stand by that I don't think the Ursay daughters would have signed off on it. Uh, and clearly, Houston has mentioned, you know, in order to have a meeting with Watson, you would have had to have a, a trade package that they checked off. Again, are the Colts presenting that? You know? I yeah. mean, where's that first-round pick? Next question comes from Brent. Do you think the Colts and the AFC quarterback slate will be determined by all chips in, meaning tanking for the 2023 quarterback selection? He's discouraged right now. Finally got to a point where he could afford season tickets the last few years, and he doesn't know if the, if he's going to do so with a team being mediocre. Leaving the stadium after losses suck. Well, yes, and I, I'm hearing more and more of this, Brent. You know, I've had people text me, message me. If it's getting hard, to, you know, continue to be a fan, this and that. I, I get the frustration. Mm -hmm. As far as the um, what suck for Stroud or um, you know, yo-yo for Young, I, I I don't even know if that makes sense. <laughs> Walk the dog, maybe with a yo-yo. I I don't even know what the hashtags would be. Chris, you you just you can't tank in the NFL. I mean. Let's say you tank and all of a sudden you're drafting third and Stroud and Young go one and two and you're sitting there at third and you're screwed. Um, so, yeah, I, Brent, I, I hear you out, but I just think it's super difficult. you you got to build the ammo and then make make the trade up. Yeah. I mean, I did, I did tweet the other day. And, again, I'm emotional like most of our podcast listeners with just a train of tanks going through. It's like <laughs> – because we didn't make any moves right, right away, right. And, and and I get it, and I you know I've talked about it with the Pacers a lot, but again, it's just really difficult to do that in the NFL. And let's be honest, this team is is good enough. I mean, they're not three four wins even with Ellinger, and in, in my opinion, I think you'd win six ish something like that. Yeah. All right, Coda wants to know. Obviously, he, he wanted an emergency podcast. Yeah, not... you got it, Coda. You got it. <laughs> He wants someone to explain to him, which would be you, Kevin, why we aren't signing a single player, doesn't understand the point of having the cap space and not trying to go get better. See, it's that last part, Chris, not getting better. I, that's where I disagree with Ballard's view on free agency. It is the one time early in free agency to truly improve some parts of your football team without, again, patchwork, like a new tire, not just a patch tire. You know, that's – what the first couple of days in free agency particularly offer. So um, that's where I agree with Coda. Yeah. This one comes from Cameron. If Chris Ballard's free agents free agency is business as usual, 
quote unquote budget spending and the depth pieces that we need in free agency, should his seat be very hot? And I know we've talked about this on multiple podcasts. You can't be this patient forever when you have to start paying the younger guys. You know, I this is probably just a stupid Notre Dame analogy that you guys will hate, but Mike Bray's been at Notre Dame, Chris, for two decades now. One of the things that he's had more than anything has been continuity with his assistants. He has an entirely new assistant coaching staff this year. I mean, you follow college sports enough. That's pretty drastic yeah. to have an entirely new assistant coaching staff. Um they were awful last year. Couldn't guard anybody, and they still can't really guard anybody. But they felt like you need to make a drastic change. It's helped on the recruiting front. They've played better defense as well. Um, but, again, what I'm getting at is there comes a point in time, Chris, of what you've done, and even Bray at Notre Dame where he's had such great success and his t- minimal pressure on him to deliver. He even got to a point where it's like, no, I don't want to retire. I'm willing to cut ties with some people that he's had long relationships with Bring in fresh minds, fresh thinking, and it has worked to a degree. I mean, they've gotten to a point where earlier in the year, I didn't think it was possible that that they would get there. Um, just feels like Boward's unwilling to change, and that's and, and, and you, know, you have to like you even said we you've talked about it multiple times. Even going to the Notre Dame football front, Brian Kelly. Like, right. There's a lot of times where you have to make a move and cut ties with someone yeah agreed um all right let's go rapid fire with these last ones rapid fire hi kevin uh this comes from nate zach and walter kind of touching on the same thing want to know about the quarterback swings and the fences uh trying to get uh taron armstead obviously which was a big name yeah armstead chris i'm talking with joel erickson who covered him with the saints he's like dude this dude's more injured than eric fisher so i i get he's a better player but you know wouldn't you be in kind of a similar boat at left tackle so the whole Fisher move, I mean, that's cost you at at left tackle where now you're scrambling again. From Luke, what would you do to see Deshaun Watson, Jonathan Taylor, and Naheem Hines in the backfield together? Love the podcast. Thank you, Luke. I mean, Watson is a freaking unbelievable talent. I mean, again, putting the off-the-field stuff to the side because I think it's pretty complex. I don't I think that would take about an hour to sift through. I mean, Colts fans, you don't want Watson in the AFC. No. Unless he's on your team. That's right. <laughs> Gary wants to know, so wait, we could have had Amari Cooper for a fifth and a sixth. What am I missing? Yeah, Gary, I, I don't get that one. What, Chris, look at the list of free agents right now. They're all A lot of them are hurt. I think like the Colts do not manipulate the cap in ways that a lot of other teams do as well. Mm-hmm. That's something I'd like to see kind of explored a little bit. And I keep on coming back to support your quarterback. Cooper of ba- Cooper's really similar to Yannick and Gakwe in that he's been very available. And annual sort of production there yep. so again i i just uh, the, the cooper thing boy i would have given a third or a fourth all right we got four more this one comes from randall read a piece where the colts where do we go from here bit harsh on james winston also wants to know your thoughts about his injury last year thinks he could be better for us making the playoffs he really likes ritter from cincinnati also malik willis as well what are their downsides yeah i'm not like anti-winston i you know i think i've said it before so many people want to see just game manager now for the Colts at quarterback. I'm like, no, no, no. You still need a swing. You still need a swing. Like, remember where you were without Phillip Rivers or after Phillip Rivers. Like, you felt like Rivers had the defined ceiling. Winston would help you, I think, swing. Now, obviously, you can swing and miss, but um, that's where I, I, I am intrigued. But the ACL, I mean, again, the offseason work. 
Um, I think that's that's a major, major question. Well, glad you said that word, Kevin. Swing is a big one here from Tim. Swing in the draft. Listen to the podcast last week. Appreciate your thoughts and the efforts. Talk about swinging in the draft when it comes to what happened with Jacob Eason. What about Sam Ellinger, especially in this draft? Who do the Colts pick? Well, Tim, I guess to go to my my golf outing analogy that I've used before, Chris, the swing of Sam Ellinger, that's a swing with like a persimmon three iron you got out of your dad's basement. <laughs> you know, the old hickory shaft. The, the, the swing of Eason, you're probably using your hybrid to get the ball in the fairway. First and second round picks, you need to swing with the driver. Yeah. You know, I mean, swinging with pick 122 or 200 and wherever Ellinger was is different than swinging with 25 overall or 32 overall. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm getting at with, again, taking a swing. Yeah. Question from Zach. Kevin, with the Carson Wentz trade, is this a two-year trade in the eyes of Chris Ballard? What I mean by that is do we open up cap, cap space and sign a mediocre quarterback this season and on the other high end of free agency – Use draft capital for non-quarterback related needs. Then in the next draft, the first round, do you finally go or second round pick up a franchise quarterback? I just don't want to let an offseason go by without trying to do something there. So again, I know this year it might be a little riskier in terms of the success rate. It doesn't look great on paper, but again, I I, I still think you can't waste an entire offseason. Last question comes from Travis. He says, quote, Colts more disappointed in the man than his play, end quote. To those words, can you give any more detail? Uh, many take this as the VAC stance, but there was also other vocal leaders on the team that were not VACs. Travis, I totally get it. Um, and I'm trying to put myself – I'm trying to explain Jim Mercy's thinking with this answer. Uh, first off, quarterback means more than other positions, just to be frank. Um, I think it was not just the vaccine. I think there was a stubbornness to accept coaching. Um, you know, you got to remember, Chris, like, you know, his Eagles days are a long time ago with Frank Reich. A lot has happened since then with, with Wentz. Frank Reich, I think, thought he had matured, thought he had grown a little bit. The thing about Carson, too, is, like, he was always kind of the big man on campus. You know, adversity never really hit him until after Frank left Philly. Well, how do you react to that? Yeah. Adversity. I just think Frank was too loyal. And I get it. Like human beings, we are attracted to people we have prior connections with. It's natural human instinct. But I think Frank Frank should have looked at Doug Peterson's actions and that should have said enough to him. A guy he trusts a lot in Doug Peterson as well. Um, you know, you look at some of these quarterbacks, right? Like Patrick Mahomes didn't have like the spoon fed college career. You know, Peyton Manning, what? They go 6-10 and ten, his fourth year in the NFL? Like, you know, how you react to adversity, I think, is a huge, huge element of it. So, I think, again, stubbornness is the word I would use with Wentz. Um, and I think when, you know, he's just the smartest guy in the room sort of feel to it. It's fair. All right, that wraps up Twitter questions. Anything else you got to add before the weekend? I know it's obviously St. Patty's Day, March Madness, a lot of good football to watch. What, yes. What can the Colts fans hopefully look for oh once yeah. we uh, end this podcast? Yeah, well, I just drink some more green beer. No, in all seriousness, you got to think some quarterback domino will fall. They still got money in free agency, and they still got a lot of big needs. Um, we'll kind of break down some of the open starting jobs now on next week's pod. Obviously, we'll see. 
how things react, why we had a later pod. We were waiting for news. Same thing next week. It'll kind of be up in the air. We'll wait for some news cycle to happen before we come at it with a pod. All right, Chris Preston, good luck to your Vols. Appreciate it. Um, Everybody have a great March Madness, St. Patrick's Day, all of that. Um, Enjoy this time of year. Hopefully it's nice weather wherever you're at. Thank you for tuning in to Kevin's Corner, and we'll talk to you next week. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.